And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P, K-I-R-P, radio! When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to KIRPRadioshow.com. Sunday nights live, 8 p.m. with your host. Rocco P. It is Sunday, August 28th, 2016. This is Rocco P. Rocco Pesertia, Rocco P. I am your guest host the last Sunday night of every month, last Sundays, with uh, with uh, Rocco P. on the KIRP radio show. Um, tonight we're going to be discussing the Zika virus. Let me see. Do I have... Did Pudgy call in? Let's see. Don't think so, okay? Poji, you know where to reach me. K-I-R-P Radio! Poji, are you there? I want to make sure we are both on the radio. (laughs) Maybe it is just me. This is the KRP Radio Show. You're listening to last Sunday night of the month with your host, Rocco P. Rocco Pesercio on the KIRP Radio Show. Uh, Tonight... I'm going to discuss the Zika virus, and uh, Dr. Brandon will be uh, will be my guest. Uh, 
What is Zika? There's been so much in the news. Uh, I thought it would be a good topic to discuss because there is so much that's being said uh, about Zika. There is, uh, uh, there's just, uh, there's so much, there's so much being said about Zika. And uh, as is normally the case, uh, when you just listen to the, the media reports, it generates a lot of fear. Uh, there's a lot of fear. Uh, I think there's really there's a lot of disinfo. You know, we'll get into that. But I think it's important to, you know, really cut through what's being said to define. Okay, what is actually what is Zika? How do we define it? What is the virus? What's the threat? What's the response to it? As far as uh, the government and uh, state government, federal government, and how should we respond as individuals? What what can we do? What should we do? And I think when we look at Zika, it's, it's important to look at in the context of things that have gone on in the past as far as you know, public health and outbreaks. And I, I, I use that phrase in general, things that have gone on in the past. Uh, I just think about in general, in general, that would include, uh, that would include uh, H1N1. Remember the swine flu, so-called swine flu outbreak, H1N1, 2009. There was tremendous hype around 2009 with President Obama, who I affectionately referred to as Barry Satoro, and they basically were saying it was a it was a national crisis. I think they threw around the word epidemic or pandemic, and nothing really happened. That there wasn't. It just there's really no mass deaths or anything like that, and then when you study a little bit later, it came it came out after fact. What was H1N1? What was it? H1N1 was nothing that occurred in nature. It was uh, it it was manufactured. It it was a uh, it was in lab. So. so when when we consider that that yeah you have you have one of the uh, just recently again a few years ago 2009 when you had stories in the U.S. yeah saying that yeah this this was this was a pandemic this was this was an epidemic uh, and it turns out to be nothing and then after really I mean there were not there were not mass deaths and all. Then it was disclosed H1N1 was created in a laboratory. That has to get you to then wonder, okay, well, if it was created in a laboratory, who created it then and why? And when when the government was basically saying it was this type of threat then, uh, did they not know that at the time? Uh, was that not the case? When did they know that? Did they know it all the time? So a lot of times the the the, the government will use things, and in this in that case was H1N1. They'll use a variety of tools or methods to really scare the public and manipulate them. And remember, in a crisis, whether it's real or imagined, but especially if it's real, the government can do things it normally does not get to do. Does not get to do. Yeah. 
So when we consider that, uh, that's kind of like the backdrop we have to interpret what's going on with Zika. And this isn't the first time something like that has happened. Okay, and you see, kind of see where I'm going as far as being skeptical. Okay, go back to the 1970s. Okay, there was a there was a a swine flu outbreak in uh, in the early 1970s. Okay, President Ford, who followed the followed the President Nixon in the White House, was 1976, and uh, there's a swine. They, they called it. They said it was a possible epidemic. That's what they said, and when when all was said and done, they traced it that had originated at Fort Dix. That was a military base in New Jersey, and Fort Dix is still there. It's been reorganized, uh, but I believe now it's uh, it's a joint command with the you know, the Fort Dix is, is army. It's a joint command with the Air Force. But that in in 1976 there was a scare again. The government said there was a possible swine flu epidemic, and the president, President Ford ordered, okay, I love that, the ordered nationwide vaccination program. Now, you look at that from a constitutional perspective, President Ford didn't have the authority to do that in the Constitution. It's just, it's it's not there. But he did. But he did. Uh, more than 40 million people were vaccinated. That's, that was a lot of people. The U.S. then had to be a lot smaller, well under, three, you know, over 300 million than it is today. But that program was stopped after 500 cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome, okay, Guillain-Barre syndrome broke out. That's a severe, that's a severe paralyzing nerve disease, and that 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 was reported. And of those 500 cases of Guillain-Barre, 30 people died, and that was a direct result of the vaccinations. So back then, in 1976, and they stopped it. You had this scare of a swine flu outbreak. They said there was a possibility of an epidemic, it might occur. The president then says, okay, everyone should get vaccinated in the country. Over 40 million people get vaccinated. Of those 40 million, 500 get Guillain-Barre, this you know, very, very severe nerve disease. And of that 530 people die as a direct result of the vaccination. So that begs the question, then how many people died of swine flu? I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think it was less than 30. And I think if you'd if you were told people beforehand, we want to vaccinate you. Okay, we're telling you, you know, we're the government, and we're here. We're here, we're to help you. We're here to help you allegedly. And you have a choice. Uh, we think that there's going to be an epidemic. Okay, of course they weren't sure. And you can get a vaccine. And if you get that vaccine, there is a possibility, though slight you get a nerve disease, and there's even a slighter possibility you're going to die. What do you want to do? <laughs> so I, I get very concerned when the government claims in, uh, because, of, uh, because of public health that they want to do these things. Uh, Greg Brannon is uh, not only a medical doctor, uh, he, he will correct what I'm about to say. He's delivered well over 10,000 babies. Uh, He's also a patriot. He's run for U.S. Senate twice. So he could bring some, uh, a lot of his thoughts to bear on this as far as a medical doctor, uh, as well as the fact that he is a patriot. He's deeply concerned about our individual liberties. Uh, he's deeply concerned about the government 
basically functioning outside the parameters of the Constitution, and particularly in this area of health freedom. Uh, he'd have a lot to say. Dr. Brandon, are you there? Yes, I am, Rocco. Thank you very much. Ah, it's good to hear from you, Dr. Brandon. There's been so much hype about about this uh, about this Zika virus. Uh, what can you define? What what basically is it? What is Zika? How long has it been around? Where's it from? Yeah, that's that's a very good point because a lot of these things we're going to talk about are we know these are facts, some are opinions, and I know exactly what's going on with this. But the first thing is Zika has been around since 1947, isolated from the Zika forest in Uganda. Eighty percent of the people that get Zika before 2014 were asymptomatic. They didn't know they had it. Those who do, fluids and rest of the treatment. And then suddenly, 2014 was the key because prior to that, there were zero deaths and zero birth defects associated with the Zika virus. And then suddenly, 2014, the World Health Organization in 2014 said about the microcephalia increase in Brazil was proven without a shadow of a doubt to be because of Zika. I got some questions with that, and I want to know how they knew that answer so fast and what happened in the last 60 years. Uh-huh. So, so, so if I understand you right, it, it starts around 1947, yep. and 80% of the people that had it were asymptomatic, meaning there was no symptoms. They had no idea. Amazing. Now, when the how how do we get from there to today when they're tying it to what's this microencephaly? Yes, uh, mm-hmm. children being born with small heads. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what's what, what, what's happened between now and then that they're tying it to Zika? That's what I'm trying to figure out myself. I'm a practicing OBGYN. I've been reading a lot of literature in the in the papers concerning my my daily work or what I do with Zika and who to look for people who travels high-risk areas. So I want to do some more research into the Zika virus itself because I want to know, again, what, like you just said, very good question, where was it the last 60 years and what suddenly made a change? And I have some concerns about that. So I should look at the virus itself. It's, a, it's, it's a, what's called, all of us have DNA or genetic material. And humans and, and um, primates and others all have DNA. DNA is it was actually stores our our chromosomal information. Well, viruses are very small, single cells, and they can either have RNA or DNA, a virus with a polysaccharide capsule around it, and that's like a little, let's picture a one cell in your head, that, that's the virus itself. And this is actually in the family called aflavorides, which are uh, an RNA, which means a single-stranded, non-segmental genome that, collect, that actually contains what's called 10 kilo base uh, positions of a messenger RNA. And that same family of virus is yellow fever, denude, D-E-N-G-U-E fever, uh, and Japanese encephalitis. And why that's important is because this RNA, for it to make proteins that transcribe, it must replicate itself, called, called single-cell RNA uh, positive position. Now, all this is science. I want to know this stuff because I want to know how this virus became suddenly, spontaneously so, so to cause these problems. So that's what I'm looking at, Rocco, is looking at these kind of things. So then I say the mosquito themselves, usually the female mosquito that trans, that trans uh, is the vector. And they, and they actually talk about, but not even sure what the true extent or what the true vector is actually known. So to suddenly go with this kind of data and suddenly say, 
boom, this is the cause. I have some more questions to ask. Where are you at this point? Well, I mean, I'm asking questions. Obviously, yeah, I don't have. Uh, I obviously don't have uh, you know, your scientific credentials. But if if uh, if you call my intro, uh, anytime there's a crisis, real or manufactured, I always get concerned because the government obviously uh, uses crises, crises, real or imagined, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take our liberties. So, in the intro, I just mentioned two cases. I mentioned 2009 with H1N1. We were told by Obama that that was an epidemic or a pandemic. And again, it's how you define those terms, especially with pandemic, was does a pandemic exist if one person has the same disease in Canada and two in Mexico and three in the United States has had a pandemic? Mm-hmm. But if you remember the hype then, Dr. Braden, it was amazing what they were saying was going to happen in 2009. And Basically, I mean, it's not like I'm disappointed, but obviously, I mean, there's just there was it just wasn't a mass problem at all. And then it came out at one point, undeniably, that H1N1 was genetically modified. So this wasn't even something that occurred in nature. Then there's something else. I know you had looked into this, not to go down, not to go down really, uh, to completely divert the subject at hand. But that got me to think of another thing. Uh, do you remember after 9/11? Which is now it's uh, hard to believe how long ago that that's been. It's uh, you know 15 years, 9/11/2001. Do you remember those? Uh, someone had had mailed out uh, to a couple of public schools, a couple of government schools, uh, some envelopes had a white substance. They said it was anthrax. Do you remember that? I sure do. Okay, it, I followed that, and and uh, when that happened again that was obviously you know that was that was after especially after you know the the attacks in new york city uh the pentagon and uh you know the uh you know the the plane that went down in uh in shanks shanksville in pennsylvania after those after those those attacks this comes this occurs and obviously you know that's it was it's kind of terrifying thing i mean you turn on the tv and you, know, you see these Envelopes that are coming out has white substances, has anthrax, and anthrax. You understand, it's not deadly unless you inhale it. But obviously, if it's in a powder, you open something up. I mean, there's there's a good there's a good chance you can take a whiff. So, yep. the upshot, what came out after the fact, and I believe you've also you've also looked into this. This is what I'm about to say is an urban legend. That was a highly weaponized grade of anthrax. It was not only produced in the lab. It was produced in a U.S. bioweapons lab. We even know where it was, I believe, in Dietrich, Maryland. They tried what? to pin it on one individual, and then that person allegedly committed suicide. So, again, there we have another, you know, another situation where the the public, you know, was basically being, you know, the government with their media cohorts, you know, seeing corporate media or mainstream media, however you want to define it as really, you know, a partner of the federal government. Uh, they basically inflict this level of mass fear. And it turns out the H1, the, uh, that, that anthrax in a government bioweapon lab, they knew that for a fact, and then no one was held accountable. They tried to pin it on one individual. And I didn't pull up the articles. I forget his name. It turned, to me, it seemed like it was impossible that he could have been responsible for it himself, and he was denying it. I mean, he denied it all along. And then... Unfortunately, and we should say at least very 
suspicious circumstances, he allegedly uh, he he allegedly killed himself. So once again, the government the government says there's a crisis, there's a health crisis. The government directly or indirectly caused it, and then no one's held accountable. So I, I get really concerned again with my non-scientific mind when if you're telling me that Zika's been around at least since 1947, and now all of a sudden it's causing these horrific things like microencephaly, like babies being born with small brains or small heads, and they're saying they're blaming it, again, uh, if I understand you correctly, uh, the science isn't there. They, they can't, they're blaming it, but they can't prove it then, correct? Right. And that's what I want. There's, there's a couple things going on here. First off is, the, the ethical foundation of medicine is the informed consent. The informed consent is the risks and benefits, and the individual chooses, not the collective. Also, when you look at that, that was one of the crimes against humanity at the Nuremberg trials after World War II was that in the concentration camps they had forced vaccinations, medical experiments without informed consent. So informed consent is basis. Another thing is I have a question is, what is the role of a government, be it local, state, or federal? Each one of those are confined to their constitutions. Therefore, that goes back to the very beginning is what is a legitimate role of a government? And the one I always go back to is the second paragraph of the Declaration. You know, we hold these should be self-evident that all men are created and denied by the Creator certain noble rights. Among those life which it happens. The only legitimate role of any government is to protect the inalienable rights of an individual. What we're finding here is a government running amok at all levels because I have to go through, is science ever wrong? I mean, here I'm, I'm a physician since 1988. I've delivered, you know, about, about, oh, about 9,000, 10,000 babies. I have studies that current on my, on my knowledge all the time because if I don't read about vaccinations or read about different surgical skills or read about the new medications and I just do what a a board of CDC or Big Pharma or FDA tells me that all I am is a robot. I gotta think. I gotta question, right? Why are certain things occurring? But you look down in medicine with bloodletting, leeches, you have mercury as a treatment for diseases, smoking guaranteed to not cause cancer. In my field of obstetric DES at the limit having miscarriage and babies born with no limbs. Science, we're always learning, we're making mistakes. To say that we have for 215 years of vaccinations, we know for a fact they're all safe, when actually the first anti-vaxxers in the 19th century were all doctors and scientists who saw the more smallpox being done, the higher the people were dying from. Lancashire, England was the classic paper of that. But this way get the government involved. In 1905, the Jacobson case in Massachusetts said the state of Massachusetts has the power to vaccinate anybody they wanted. And, 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 and Rocco. This was the foundation of Wendell Holmes saying the 14th Amendment protects the federal government from imbeciles. Therefore, the federal government can actually sterilize anybody they want. The Buck Bell case in 1927, which, by the way, was actually the criteria that the Nazi officers used to defend themselves in the Nuremberg trial. This is why well, it was well, so What important. was the criteria again? Explain that. The criteria was this, that 
the Buck Bell case, the, the Winslow Holmes said that the federal government, the 14th Amendment, protects them from three generations of imbeciles, and that by, you know, the Jacobson case in 1905, we've, since we made a precedent that a government can force vaccinations because the collective is superior to the individual. He said even that we could actually cut fallopian tubes, which led to sterilization in North Carolina to 1973. See, this is the problem. The role of government, local, state, and federal, are outside their actual delineated functions. So in the problem because of that, because we believe that some elite ivory tower scientists or doctors or, or do-gooders know better than the mother, the father, the person making the choice. That's why the crux of this, Rocco, to me, is more important than Zika, more important than vaccinations. What it is is it has to do with the ind- either the individual is a sole entity or not. And the collectors ex- ex- excuse themselves, make themselves outside the law. They are the, they are the philosopher kings, and we are the plebes. So that to me is why I put so much work into the science, Rocco, to know this stuff. Because I would love to go over the actual um, science behind Zika and the paper that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine just a couple of weeks ago. That is the paper that is actually the foundation of all the billions of dollars spent on, on studies, on the forced vaccinations being, being uh, talked about, the pesticides, and the releasing of genetically modified chimera mosquitoes into the environment. Because I believe when you start looking at that, it gets a very scary thing. So that paper that came out, and I, I read it, and in there was no, looking for no other causes, Rocco. They looked at two studies, one with 72 uh, uh, patients with that the babies in, in womb had a documented uh, a Zika, Zika infection, but they lost the babies to follow-up. So who really had the microcephalia? We don't know. They yeah. never even said it in the paper. Yeah. And the classic one, Rocco, where they quoted a paper out of the um, French Polynesians uh, a, a couple decades, a decade or so ago that said that there were eight in microcephalic babies born instead of two, in, and they said, therefore, Zika. Again, with no data, they, and they looked at no other causes. And that's why it's important that we do our research ourselves to study this because, again, it's just four men looking for the CDC make the decision, what if they're wrong? The ramifications are too numerous to discuss. Yeah. To, to back up, to clarify, you were talking about with Oliver Wendell Holmes, and it's funny how you're know, so-called progressivists and everything, everything in terms of government is all a euphemism, you know, Progressives were really regressive. <laughs> they yes. were they were they were saying they were progressing societies, but it was actually regressive in that mm-hmm. they were basically they wanted to uh, undermine and <laughs> really uh, o- almost eliminate individual liberty. They say they could help people by having the government yep. take away our liberties to help the collective. You say the collective over the individual, but the Buck versus Bell, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who were taught in school was a great a great legal genius. I, I remember reading reading part of that decision again now and I recall that saying that uh the state had had uh I forgot use the word duty to basically make sure that people who he or the state would define as being unfit should not reproduce. So you had you had a big movement again. I mean, we, we won't go there, but I know you know the history probably better than me. We had a big movement in the United States. Things they don't tell us in school with eugenics, and most states, including North Carolina, where we reside, had uh, they had mandatory sterilization, and that was happening to people into the 70s in North Carolina. And it's really funny as I looked at that history. 
you see, you know, that philosophy you know, as believers, you know, you know, both of us, you know, believe the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe the Bible is true, we see that as demonic. Uh, when the state says they have the power to, to decide who procreates, uh, yeah, it's it's that that's a moral evil. So, so so what happened in the upshot? Okay, you look at what happened in the country. At the same time, they phased out forced sterilization, and and the way they try and spin it now is that that was all racially based, and it wasn't. Okay, they they sterilized people regardless of color. Uh, but at the same time that happened, lo and behold, what else did the Supreme Court give us? The abomination of Roe versus Wade. So. That's right. Yeah, if if the the social engineers we know, you know, uh, what they believe their religion is eugenics. So again, it's a euphemism. You meaning good genetics, uh, genes. They see they can improve humanity. They can prove they can prove the genetics of everyone. But the way they believe they can improve it is by massive depopulation. I've discussed in this program before. The Georgia Guidestones. I know you're, you know, you're, you're familiar with them. Someone spent an incredible amount of money to basically erect these stones, saying that, you know, for the world to be in harmony with nature, the population of the world has to be significantly less than what it is now. If they said, uh, uh, <laughs> well, five hundred well, million. Yeah, five hundred million, I believe. So, uh, Buck versus Bell again. You have, you have, you have states then pass through uh state these these state uh boards which still exist under CPS and Stanley. You know, they they basically they they basically just they they reintroduced them, they really kept them going under a different names. Same thing today. Someone comes in and takes someone's children away with no with no jury uh with no jury decision. They basically do that under this idea again of this uh the philosophy is like the eugenics board that the state can decide whether or not you should have children. And that makes sense because, again, if the state believed, going back to the 1920s through the 1970s, that uh, you, they could forcibly sterilize you, it makes perfect sense then that today, in, even, yeah, as you know, so-called conservatives in North Carolina believe they really have no objection that CPS, Child Protective Services, could then remove children from people's homes based mm-hmm. upon the alleged role of the state, that the collective is over the individual, th- that the government would know better. Now, yes, getting back to the Z- – go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you don't get back to Zika. The yeah. thing about this, you talked about these two, these cases. The Jacobson case in 1905 in Massachusetts said the state can forcibly vaccinate you. And at that time, small vaccinations were going down in England and lives were being, being won because the anti-vaxxers, quote-unquote, were the doctors who actually saw that. Only ninety, only ten percent of the world was actually vaccinated smallpox. It has eradicated with time and isolation. Number one, now you have Doctor. Now you have in California this judge. If they still pronounce his name correct, Dana Sabana said we have years of of court law proving it's constitutional to force individual to a certain medical treatment. We just discussed where they came from. Which, by the way, Margaret Sanger was part of that. Who left and went to Europe to help Germany and you know Hitler's regime. And by the way, the actual fundraiser for Planned Parenthood at the beginning of Planned Parenthood was a guy named Mr. Gates, Bill Gates's father and Warren Buffett's father. And by the way, Prescott Bush, George H. W. Bush's father, they were the first ones to run a multi-million-dollar fundraiser for Planned Parenthood in 1947. Let's go back to these people where we are today. When you look at that, it's infuriating. Yeah. to hear this. 
But in 1980, so this guy was wrong. Every state has some type of exemptions, which is sad because even a state to grant exemption, you have the power to say no. You have to understand, this is why the philosophy of the individual, the collective, must never be wavered. And I believe medical freedom versus medical tyranny may be the thing that breaks through religions and ages and colors and parties because if we can't agree on that, we can't agree on what real true freedom is. But interesting, so he quotes on that. So in 1987, they wanted to force, they wanted to force DPT, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccines across the board in California back in 87. And at the U.S. Senate um, Committee on Labor and Human Resources, the Assistant, tre- assistant uh, Secretary, his name is uh, Edmund Bryant, he said, if we do that, here are the numbers of the DBT. Within 48 hours of injections, we know that 9,000 kids will have convulsions. 9,000 will have collapse. They'll actually collapse in front of you. 17,500 will have a high-pitched scream. All signs of acute neurological um, uh, in, uh, results of the vaccine itself. So. The California school board said we can't force it now because that means one out of 350 will have one of these neurological impairments. And, and that's the data he says now you're going to be forced to take these vaccines, and DPT is the one that you're going to force it on it. So this is really important to understand. When the government goes to a position, it has no ethical or legal authority overstepping its bounds. The state, the health of a state, the health of the government is always at the cost of the life of an individual. That's why, to me, Rocco, that is the principle. That's why I want to be so well-versed on the science, the genetics, the RNA, the DNA, these kind of things, because I want to know the true science of the scientists, and also they can form the set for me and myself and articulate to my patients. So, Rocco, this is you, Ray, because... I agree, I, I agree, I agree yeah. with you philosophically. I think you know, we've, got, we've got the constitutional argument. We've got the argument based upon natural law that God has given us stewardship over our bodies, and uh, again, the science, even even if we could say, even if the science was on the side of the state, and it's, it, it, it's not, I mean, the cases we've cited. Even if it was. Uh, it's, it's yeah, not. even if it was, it's up to the individual. And, and, and that's something I wanted to mention, too. In passing, we'll get into how the government's responding to Zika. We'll come up and take a break. But mm-hmm. as, as the government responds to Zika, and you know, part of the part of the solution always seems to be a vaccine, uh, it's funny now we have a situation where you mentioned health freedom. A lot of people, particularly as uh, as mothers, young mothers, have seen their children uh, damaged by vaccines. You know, they've seen the baby be healthy, and then right after a vaccine, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, babies become autistic. So a lot of a lot of women have gotten uh, have done the research, and now they see you know the science. We won't go there, but I believe you know our own CDC has been caught. There is a link uh, between autism and certain vaccinations, but that's crucial, so. Rocco. That's crucial. I agree. Yeah. Dr. Thompson, the paper in 2004 that said it has not increased autism, he went public in 14 and said he lied. It increases at 700 percent. That movie called Vax is phenomenal it, and must be seen because again, it's information. It's, ama- is key. it's amazing to me here. This we're having this conversation. And yeah, that science is out there. But even if it wasn't, okay, even if it wasn't, you're 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 in the United States, and you're hearing you're hearing at least two voices, you're hearing at least two opinions, you're hearing, yeah, the so-called authority of the state and the so-called authority of most, not all, 
of the medical profession, yeah, in terms of uh yeah, the AMA, yeah, yeah, the uh allopathic medicine saying vaccination safe, you should do it, you're placing yourself, you're placing your children at risk if you don't. Then there's another set of people, including medical professionals like yourself, saying, uh, the science isn't there. It's clearly not safe. We have evidence to the contrary. So you think you back up and you think at, at face value about vaccinations in children. And the same thing, the same the same point I'm about to make would apply to adults. If vaccinations protect an individual, and like let's say, yeah, you because know, now a lot of this is being pushed at first through the government schools, uh, why would they object to a child coming in who is unvaccinated? Because if everyone else, if they believe in this concept of herd immunity, if all the children are vaccinated, or let's say in a particular school it was, you know, it would be 70%, and then 30% weren't. Why are they concerned about those 30%? Because the 30% then, if they did contract anything, they shouldn't be able to uh, infect those who are vaccinated, right? But they still push it. Yeah, and that's important, too. In in the herd mentality model, what they wanted to push was they wanted to push it at 63%. They believe the herd mentality model is is sufficient. It's at ninety four percent. Okay. <laughs> also, what you just talked about before is this is interesting. The the science of immunology versus the science of vaccine are two different things. All the books in immunology have to do with how the body responds at the mucous membrane layer. Vaccinations are the dermal layer, completely different layer. There's no science written on how that occurs. And then there's a thing in the way God makes our body. We have these things called tell, T cells and B cells. Tell is a T is a cell media response. The example is measles. You get measles or chickenpox as a kid, you're immune for life. You get the vaccine, you have an antibiotic positive, like the Disneyland outbreak. Virtually everybody got the measles at Disneyland were already vaccinated. We're already vaccinated. You guys want to YouTube a video? YouTube the 1969 Brady Bunch episode on measles, and look at what occurred. And the measles vaccine was already released in '67. So look at the show and what occurred between then and now. Because, Rocco, these ramifications, these ramifications of when you go down this path, the government can never be wrong. Because I want to know what they're doing with Zika in Florida, what they're doing, what they did in Brazil, which I believe may be the led to the precipitous of this, of this microcephalia. And also, I want to talk about Francis A. Boyle. He is a professor at the University of Illinois. He's a Harvard trained a biochemist, a lawyer. He's the man who authored and wrote the 1989 United Nations Bioterrorism Treaty. He wrote it. He believes the Zika that's been released is a DNA, not an RNA, and spontaneous mutation from an RNA to a DNA has never occurred in nature. So a DNA bioengineered weaponized version of Zika. That's why he believes it's a real problem, but it's because it's a man-made problem, not because of that, let alone the pesticides and it's not, and the pesticides released in the area of Brazil. Do we have time to go over that right now, Rocco, or do you need a break? Yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to take a break. Let's come back. We'll talk about their proposed solutions. Uh, I'm deeply concerned about genetically modified mosquitoes being released in Florida. We'll talk about that and what you said Francis Bowles' theory is, is and you could break down the science for us as far as DNA versus RNA and how that ties into all this. But let's take a break now. It'll be a few minutes. You're listening to KRP Radio Show last Sunday nights with Rocco P, special guest, doctor and patriot, Dr. Greg Brennan.
How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism, nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government, 2 million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. We're back. KRP Radio Show. Last of the Nuts, Rocco P. Special guest, Dr. Greg Brannon. We are talking about the Zika virus, the science behind it, the government's role in this. Before the break, we were talking about Dr. Brand mentioned Dr. Boyle, and if you could just back up and explain what's going on, what what are they doing now in Florida again with these with these genetically modified mosquitoes, and how's that supposed to stop the spread of Zika? Let's back up a little bit on that. In twenty four, in twenty twelve, in Brazil, was the, they forced mandated a DPT vaccine, and uh, and we've seen. That to protect the DPT vaccine, there's been some studies to show that that may increase microcephaly on cells. That's one aspect. In Brazil in 1914, in a certain area of Brazil, the northeast area of it, is where they were spraying with a special pesticide called larvicide that was released, a halogenated, um, that also known to have neurotoxins. Also, at that same exact time, that same area, they released genetically modified mosquitoes. They had 14% different, which means their DNA was not completely mosquito. 14% was from a different entity, and it's called a chimera. They released that in fighting the Deneng fever, D-E-N-G-U-E fever. As I said before at the very beginning, that, that virus is in the same family of viruses called the Vavavida, which that, that family of viruses, and all that occurred at the same exact time. So why aren't those causes looked at that may, may be the reason? Because, again, 
we have we have repercussions because because of these outbreaks caused by the World Health Organization saying without a doubt it's Zika, with the New England Journal of Medicine out of the CDC saying without a doubt it's Zika, look what Florida has done. Florida now is spraying NAIL, N-A-L-E-D, a halogenated, known uh, halogenated uh, pesticide massively across the state that's known to cause birth defects. They're releasing genetically modified mosquitoes again. And what does Disney do? Disney has areas around the area where you can spray yourself with, with, uh, with uh, pesticides. This is insane. And a side note, the company called MSC, Governor Scott's wife, has a multi-millionaire stock uh, um, piece of that company. It's like this, when the more you dig, the more you get. What does that company do that the governor's wife owns part of? They're the ones that actually spray the pesticides. Okay. So the backup, I understand you're right. Uh, Right now in Florida, part of the response to this, uh, and again, I I see you're saying that the link between Zika, Zika in the past, to summarize some of the things we talked about, Zika in the past was basically asymptomatic, I believe you said, was it 80% were asymptomatic? 80%. 80%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we have some you know, small number of these conditions popped up in Brazil, hydro, uh, microencephaly, small brains, small heads being born to babies. They've said Zika and the cause without... And not only in that one area. That's important. Not, okay. as they thought, not, not as they anticipated, exactly. Okay. In one area. So then, yeah, the uh, the powers that be especially in the States, have said, based upon, I guess, this one paper or so, New England Journal of Medicine, they say, this is the cause, Zika. Can't really prove it. Then the solution is pesticides and genetically modified mosquitoes. If I understand you correctly, you're basically saying that pesticides and genetically modified mosquitoes could actually cause uh, similar type diseases, like microencephaly. Exactly, and the, and the mosquito itself could be, what could that do? Again, what could that do in the environment? That was released in Brazil in 2014, fighting another type of fever in the same family of viruses. And in that paper, the CDC paper in the New England Journal, there's zero citations proving the point. There's a link. This is the frustrating part, Rocco, is that the government, again, where do they have their power to do that? Because just say, just say, everything is correct. Yeah. Okay. We still have a thing called a fourth percent. Now let's back off. Look at look at Singapore, a police state. They're doing thermal fogging on block by block area. We don't know the ramifications of this. And why do you why use the word halogen is important. Halogen is very very potent. If you if you bought a halogenated tub of something in the 1930s, have a skull and bones on it. The most common one was called fluoride. Fluoride is a strong halogen that's in pesticides that is in herbicides that now they pour in water only eight countries in the world, by the way, and it actually fights for the good halogen, iodine, which is essential to life. So these other environments, these other things that are put into this, you know, our bodies created by God are getting hammered on all different ways. So my, my whole thing, again, goes, Rocco, is this. I don't know what's occurring, but Dr. Boyle, a national expert on bioterrorism, believes that it's a DNA, not an RNA, that's important, in nature, Zika is an RNA. He believes the DNA, bioengineered, weaponized um, virus. We had the Rio games occur 
Everybody's going back to their countries. We have hundreds of cases down in the United States. We have them in Singapore. So my, I have a couple questions. I like to know the actual structure. Is, is Dr. Boyle's hypothesis correct or not? Like you talked at the very beginning about the anthrax, they could actually do a, a, a fingerprint of where the anthrax is made at you know Dietrich, Maryland. We could we could do the same thing here, because don't forget our country right now, according to Francis A. Boyle in his book on bioterrorism, we have multi labs across the, across the world. That literally we are a country. We America is the country that's actually weaponizing the Spanish flu, which actually killed what 30 million people in 1918. Just think about the crazy people we have in charge of this unbelievable omnipotent government. That's why we must chain the government at every level and free the individual. And Rocco, I'm praying that medical freedom can be the, the basis of our foundation of bond and liberty. No, I, 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 agree, I agree with you 100% philosophically. Yeah, individual liberty, correct role of government, if government functioned as it should, it would protect the individual, the individual's liberties, and not basically create this really, which is really a false notion. It's really a fictional notion of a collective rights, which really, for the most part, don't exist, and it, it wouldn't undermine and really uh, continually uh, eviscerate our individual liberties. But get, getting back to the science on this, could you break down the DNA versus the RNA, and what's going on with these pesticides and mosquitoes? Because I know there's a number of cases, but in these cases, not all of them are having the severe symptoms, correct? Correct. And that's yeah. why my thing is, again, RNA is important. When you, if, you could pick, if you could picture a zipper, a zipper, mm-hmm. that's DNA. That is the, the DNA is a, is a structure of, of a nucleic acid, a base, and, and, and this, uh, the, the, they're called guanine, cysteine, um, adenosine, and thymine. These are the four, these are the alphabet. You know, the binary code of 0101, this is God's quadrant code. It's four of them. So the, 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 uh, the amount of variation is just the miracle of life and the miracle of a creator, and according to a creator, gets more you look. So, the, so picture a zipper, uh, a counterclockwise wound in itself. That's DNA. And every four of those can speak. They speak, these four codes speak. And three of them in a certain order, it's in a certain order, will make a protein, and it will bind to an amino acid, that amino acid will form a three-dimensional protein. So picture the zipper. The zipper is DNA. So you have double-stranded DNA. It has to unzip, and then a single-strand picture of messenger RNA will be a, be a, 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 the anti to that. Will be the, will actually be the lock and key to that. That messenger RNA take, tra- takes that, and then that floats, that floats through the uh, Golgi apparatus, the mitochondria, and then binds to the called ribosomes. It looks like a figure of eight. And then this, then this messenger RNA binds to that, and then it hooks this thing called tRNA, which is the cause of thing called transcription that makes the amino acids link up to cause the protein. Now that's in, that's in the DNA. We the, so the the virus is only RNA in nature, so it has one strand. So that one strand must be replicated. Then the same process occurs, which is just a miracle in itself. So the question is, is how did one of those become never cause a problem in the 60 years you've known about it, suddenly become a health hazard across the world? And Dr. Boyle's theory, when he's doing his research, he believes it may have been weaponized. Why would you say that? 
where our government has spent billions weaponizing viruses and bacteria. Anthrax was an example you saw about that. That to me is insanity. Because even if you did it, if you're doing it, anything to escape, and, and you escape into the biosphere, it can affect life together. And the repercussions when they're free, then you're doing that. Then you're spraying with pesticides and, and halogenated and, and, and genetically modified mosquitoes. It's just it's like a snowball running down the hill. The, re, the, the repercussions and replications are too innumerable to, to even think about. But a good thinker does not think about what could occur, but also must think what can occur if another process happens. And that's why it's so important, Rock, we ask questions because we are humans. And the interesting part, those people, again, in the 19th century, who were anti-vaccination, they were the scientists and doctors of their times, watching what the clinicians, what, what, look what occurred when they were using you know, cowpox and horsepox and so, so it occurred. And, and the idea that we can't think for ourselves makes me infuriating. So who are the people that are saying no to this? They're the mostly highly, and I hate, I hate dividing us, but the ones who study them more. And to be highly educated, I mean, you have a college degree, it means you take your time to study. Because don't you want to know what goes in your body? And that's the frustrating part, that the omni-knowing, omnipresent government knows better than Rocco or Greg or Mary or Sam or, or Sue. That's my problem, Rocco, is we have to understand this. But I want to find out why our government will take care of any, any chaotic event Planned or unplanned to do one thing strengthens itself at the expense of the individual. No, it's 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 obvious. I mean, you you touched on uh, we touched on mandatory vaccination laws, and yeah, it's 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 so tragic the way it, they've really debased our thinking on this as individuals over time. Again, you get through you know, 100 plus years of so-called uh, progressive thinking, which is actually regressive thinking, which is really collectivist thinking. Uh, you nailed it. Um, over 100 plus years, and they tell us, well, in North Carolina and other states, it, it, it's okay because you have an exemption to not to not get your child vaccinated. It's like, so I have to ask permission to you know, to exercise my individual liberty. It, it's kind of like you know, really gun rights. Okay, if if you take you know, Second Amendment face value, Congress shall make no law. <laughs> yeah. and, then states come in, yeah, antithetical to the philosophy then of and do what the federal government can't supposedly can't do, and then say, well, they make a right, a privilege. Say, well, you can have a gun, but we have to fingerprint. You can have a gun, but you have to take a class. But it's amazing, you think, uh, what's gone on with the progression of this, really, the degeneration of this, as individual liberties continue to get undermined. In California, as you know, they've gotten rid of the uh, they've gotten rid of the uh, the, the so-called waiver. Uh, people can opt out of having their children vaccinated in California, and we know how this works in the states. The social engineers will push things on the East Coast normally in New York and New Jersey, and on the West Coast in California, and then work their way inward to, to the country. So, if that stands in California, I mean, this is just another level of tyranny. Where they're going to say, well, then uh, what are they going to do? Arrest parents? If they don't vaccinate well, Obama, their children, yeah, exactly. You know, Obamacare. I mean, since when I went, since I ran for U.S. Senate and came in second, I wanted to be prepared, so I read every word of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. There is, there is a, a, there will be, there will be an army of health workers coming to your house to see if you're vaccinated according to government government recommendations. <laughs> How do I know it's going to happen? It already occurs in England. It already occurs around yeah. the world. 
And Blue Cross Blue Shield is interesting. There's a pediatrician. If 63% of your patients are 100% vaccinated according to their code, you get a $4 kickback for all your patients. <laughs> See, there's this Dr. Pan, I mean, Dr. Pan, who's a state center in Sacramento, in California, who's going to push this through. He got over $200,000. In, in uh, campaign funds through um, through the big through vaccination companies. He, he's uh, a pediatrician, look, look at, correct? Yeah, he's a pediatrician as well. Yeah. Look in our look in our area, North Carolina, where I live. Senator Berenger in the uh, Cary area, and Senator uh, Tart in Cal, in, uh, in the Charlotte area. Look who look who funded their campaigns. You see, they will they will not debate. The thing about this is, we have 215 years of science already of of having an articulation debate. We just think because the so-called experts that control the government arm are the experts that say vaccination is safe. The CDC's own numbers say, 1990, one in 125,000 kids have had autism. By 2030, it'd be one in two. And we say that's okay? No, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing. Well, we, we, started out, we started out for the most part with Zika. To end there, you're an individual, and you're living in Florida, and you know in the area... They're using these pesticides, which are demonstrably dangerous. They've released these GMO, GMO, GMO mosquitoes, and who knows how they've been modified. That's dangerous. I mean, what is it basically just all you can really do? What can you really do? Just avoid the mosquitoes and avoid areas that they've used the pesticides? Yeah, there's actually some good literature that show that uh, eucalyptus lemon oil mixed with some rubbing alcohol is actually 26 times higher repelling mosquitoes. And naturally, that is not harmless. I would do that first. Um, the thing about it, though, this Rocco, is this is really important. We did talk about the very beginning of Zika. The philosophy is still important. Is the individual superior or not the collective? And you articulated beautiful, the regressive movement of the progressives. So we have to have that fight to never stop. But I'm pro-science. I'm pro-medicine. And I'm anti-vaccine. Because, because I'm pro-science and pro-medicine. But more importantly... I made the image of the creator. Knowing that biblical worldview, knowing he did not make us inferior to the bacteria and viruses out there, to an immune system that no scientist will ever match, ever. When the immune system, I think his name was Pascal and Pasteur, argued over the idea of infection. Pasteur won the day. He said, we have to, all these bacteria and viruses out there, we've got to actually find ways to be immune from them. Pascal said, no, I think what's the best way to do is we have the immunity system, but stay healthier. You know what I mean? The healthier we are, the better God's creation to fight these things off. But you see these man-made problems becoming more man-made, becoming more man-made. So what do you do, Rock? I think it's really important that we, all, we have a thing called Google and the Internet, and we have our own brain to discern. But if I'm going to sit around and watch four men at the CDC make a decision on the rest of the world what to inject in our body, that is the philosopher king, and that's something we must, we must rebel against. No, it's, I, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. As individuals understand more, and I get back to, you know, the tragic but powerful illustration of of mothers, young mothers, whose children then become autistic after they're vaccinated. Uh, the science is out there; they've been lied to. When they become, I mean, that's it, it's horrible if that happens. But one. One result of that that's positive is a lot of those moms become activists, and they not only then become activists, they not only start to realize that uh, they've been lied to about the science of vaccinations and their efficacy, 
and their effectiveness and, and their safety. And they start to realize, well, what else? What else has the government lied to me about? Why, right. why, why, why is our money backed by nothing? Why do right. we have perpetual wars without a declaration of war? So yep. this has come to a head. I don't know where it's going to end. I know we're in this battle now. I know you're certainly in the battle now, and I appreciate what you've done. But uh, Well, I, I, I thank you so much. And yeah. every parent asks the pediatrician, well, they'll sign a guarantee that whatever they do with their children, the vaccine will not cause autism, and ask them to read the informed consent. But, Rocco, it is a battle. Yeah. It is a war, and it's worth fighting for. This generation and future generations are depending on you and I being honest where the, where the truth takes us, not the man-made decisions, but the truth takes us. No, I, I, I agree. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I think that's why part of the reason they, the Federal Communications Commission has said the Internet is under their control because uh, really all we have, the only really unfiltered means communication we have is really the Internet mm-hmm. and some radio. And you know, the medium we're using tonight is both. It's Internet radio. Uh, did you, so did you rock a talk about to go after that Obama, by Obama's executive order? In October of this year, he passed on the regulations of the Internet for the FCC to the United Nations. He passed that about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. The United Nations mm-hmm. will definitely protect our individual liberties and freedom of speech, mm-hmm. no doubt. Just, just so like they want to abolish all, all guns. <laughs> right. We must question, our in our state, the Burrs, the Tillises, the Prices, and other states across this, our, our, our representatives, we have to ask them where, you know, I hate to hear the word, we'll, we'll elect these people and hold, hold them accountable to their constitutional no. baloney. We know that's a fraud. We must get out there. The structure is fantastic. But, Rocco, this is, this is a fight. We need another, another great awakening of the 1770s all over again. If not, the future is, is very bleak. Doesn't look too good, but we know. To end on a positive note, a man rules, but God overrules. Uh, God can change man's hearts. God can change the people, the hearts of the people who have the levers of power. So our job is just be faithful where he's called us and uh, you know, proclaim this message. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I wish you all well, um, and God, God bless all of you. Thank you, Dr. Brennan. Thank you for being in the fight. You've been listening to the KIRP radio show last Sunday nights with Rocco P. Please check my website, paradishift.net. That's P-A-R-A-D-S-H-I-F-T.net. I posted a few helpful videos, brief videos on Zika. Uh, goes over some of the material that we discussed tonight with Dr. Brennan, where you see that there really is not a link between uh, things like microencephaly, small brains, and the Zika virus is really, uh, the science has been concocted, and uh, the solutions they're giving us uh, could, and can very well be argued what they're doing, the pesticides, the heavy pesticides, and the genetically modified mosquitoes can be causing far more health concerns, or the very symptoms that they claim they're trying to fight against Zika. Thank you for listening to the KIRP radio show. Thank you once again to Pudgy Miller for giving me his platform once a month. Have a, have a great week. KIRP radio!